Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to the award-winning Probably True. Please be aware that this podcast may contain strong language and adult themes. It would be boring otherwise. Last week marks 30 years since Section 28 became a thing in the UK. For anyone who doesn't know, Section 28 was a law that the government passed in 1988 that stopped local councils from intentionally promoting homosexuality. It didn't really bother me much when it came into force, but then I was five years old, so much more interested in normal boyhood things like Star Trek and annoying my brother and trying to find my real family, who were obviously very rich Americans who would one day come back for me and take me to my real life as some kind of richy-rich playboy superstar. You know, the usual kid stuff. Instantly, my dad thought this was brilliant. He was all for it. He kept telling me that he couldn't wait for them to turn up because he'd got a bill waiting for them, which I thought was a bit of a liberty, to be honest. I mean, surely bringing up a whiny little snotball such as me was reward enough. Anyway. Section 28. Came into law when I was five and was repealed when I was 20. So, you know, most of my formative years were spent without anyone talking about being gay at all. It just wasn't a thing. And let's just check the wording of the the thing for a moment. Not to allow the promotion of homosexuality or allow the teaching in any school of homosexuality as a pretended family relationship. So not only was it illegal to promote queer lifestyles, but the idea of an LGBTQ family was so absurd that even pretending that it might be a thing was illegal. So there was no teaching kids about being gay. There were no books in libraries. It was hardly mentioned on telly at all until queer as folk, and that was shocking. Remember, this was at the height of the AIDS crisis, and a whole generation of kids grew up not only without proper guidance, but without even knowing what HIV was, or even thinking that it was a thing that we could, and should, talk about. It just wasn't there at all. For example, when I was 16, I wrote a one-man play for my drama GCSE, because of course I did, shut up. It was about a couple, a a straight couple, because I don't think my school was ready for anything else at the time, but they both got infected with HIV after a blood transfusion. I got an A-star, obviously, but to learn about HIV and what it was and how it got transmitted and answer questions like, can a man get HIV from having sex with a woman and how, I had to write off and be sent leaflets through the post. This was the only official way I had of finding out anything about HIV that didn't come from word of mouth or rumours or weird stories. Arguably, one of the most vulnerable sections of society horny teenage queers, were not only denied being taught this stuff in school, but even if they wanted to learn about it, you had to go out of your way to do so. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was in my teens and hormone fueled and gagging to try sticking things in places, I definitely said to every other horny teenager, Yes, Troy, I too want to do those things with you, and on you, and to you, but we must wait until tomorrow, for I checked the post this morning and the leaflets hadn't arrived. So all of that usual teenage angst, all that shit that everyone has growing up, where we worry about being liked and having friends and dramas and all that sort of thing. On top of that, and all the trauma of realising that we were different and 
coming out to ourselves and possibly others and dealing with all the fallout of all that kind of thing, not only did we have to deal with the very real possibility that the people around us would reject us for being uphill gardeners or friends of Dorothy or great big wofters, but the very society we grew up in, the government itself, turned round and said that not only is this part of who you are bad and wrong, but it's so bad, so awful, that you're forbidden from talking about it or learning anything about it. I mean, people wonder why queer kids of my generation are so into drink and drugs and shagging to feel accepted, to feel validated and a worthy part of the world. Is it any wonder we all grow up a bit damaged? You know, so many LGBTQ kids spend their 20s and 30s being hot messes. There's this stereotype that we're all immature and act like teenagers throughout our 20s and 30s and refuse to grow up, and yeah, kinda. Because for our actual teenage years, we couldn't be ourselves for fear of a kicking, or worse. I mean, some of them are just messy bitches who live for drama, but the rest of us were just working out who we are and how we fit into things, or how we don't. And think about all those queer kids in their 20s, 30s and 40s now who have anxiety and depression and self-worth issues, or HIV, or hepatitis, or anything like that. How much of that could have been avoided if this nasty, homophobic law hadn't been introduced? And that's those of us that are lucky enough to have made it this far. There's plenty more people who aren't around now who might have been if things had been different. If the law hadn't stopped any chance of a nurturing experience as we were growing up. You know, the 90s were hard enough to get out of as it were. You know, without trying to get your hair to look like what's-his-name out of Take That, or stopping your Tamagotchi from drowning in its own poo, or seeing Adam Ricketts' six-pack and wondering why your body didn't look like that, for example. I'm not saying that Section 28 is the cause of all the homophobic fuckery in the world, but it certainly didn't help. Our government failed us, spectacularly. Margaret Thatcher, because of course it was her, stood up and told the country, told the world, that she was protecting the morals of all the children. Those who would be cheated out of a sound start in life because they were being told they had a right to be gay. Just when our community was at its most vulnerable, when we needed help and understanding the most, our government failed us. I wasn't pleased when she finally died. There's no reason I would be. Her mind had gone long ago. She wasn't the person who'd done all this damage. Besides, why sing Ding Dong the Witch is Dead when her spells are keeping going? Ideas aren't like people. They don't die as easily. There will always be people who think homosexuality is wrong. Some of them, sadly, will be homos themselves who've heard these things about how awful it is to be queer and have not made the connection not thought themselves, hang on a second, that can't possibly be true, for I enjoy the cock, and yet I am a wonderful person and a joy to be around. Evidently, this assertion is flawed. I'm not saying it makes it okay, just that that's a thing, that so many of us grew up damaged. How do you undo that kind of damage, you know, slowly, gently? It takes a lot of time. And, you know, the law was changed in 2003, which is great. But as recently as 2014, studies showed a lot of schools hadn't updated their policies at all and were continuing with Section 28-style teaching. Or not teaching, or not even acknowledging. Luckily, nowadays, there's the internet and YouTube and stuff like that, so kids don't have to learn about sex from cycling for miles to look for a porn mag someone found in a hedge, for example. Still, it's been 15 years since it was repealed, and progress is being made, which is definitely something better to be focusing on. Because even when the government went the wrong way on something and screwed over so many of its own people, there were plenty of others, 
communities and teachers and lawmakers and activists who pushed and fought and never gave up fighting for laws like this to be changed. That's the bit that's worth focusing on. So as we're heading into Pride season again, and as ever, there'll be all those people who go, ugh, at the thought of flag-waving and say that they're not part of the gay community because they don't want to be associated with excessive drinking and all the partying and all of that. Remember, there's many reasons why we do it. Sometimes it's to feel validated, to know that we are who we are, and finally that's not just okay, but it's kind of awesome. Sometimes it's to feel connected to a big, queer family. For some of us, that'll be the only family we have, or that we care to have. Sometimes it'll be a celebration of how far we've come, because we know full well that there's still a lot further to go. Sometimes it's to show all those other lost and lonely queers around the world, living lives of fear and possibly under oppression or threats of death, that there is another way, and that they're not alone. And sometimes it's because if you can't occasionally wake up in a skip wearing hot pants, one high heel and three kilos of glitter, then what's the point? This was Probably True, the multi-award-winning storytelling series written and produced by me, the multi-award-winning Scott Flashheart. If you liked what you've heard, you could share it with your friends, leave a positive iTunes review, and sign up at probablytruepodcast.com. If you didn't like it, you can find me on Twitter as UnlikelyLad. Come at me, bro. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.